On today's show, Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor and I talk about the newsy day on the team's final workout before taking a day off. And Brooke tells us about her chance encounter with a good friend of all things Kansas City sports. Later, star columnist Vahe Gregorian and I break down his upcoming trip to the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Vahe visited the homes of two former Chiefs, Johnny Robinson and Tony Gonzalez, before their big days. All of this on Sportsbeat KC, the sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs wrapped up practice today, uh, July 31st, uh, indoors. They started outside, as they always do, but then the rains came, and the Chiefs trudged up the field, up, up the path, right, to the indoor facility at Missouri Western State, and so did we. We followed them up there and watched the, the workouts from indoors. We saw Harrison Butker kick a 58-yard field goal. And a 56 and a 53. Pretty good for Harrison Butker. Of course, it's easier indoors. It is. It also cracked me up because the direction in which he was kicking, the Chiefs had two of their video crew guys kind of up in the crow's nest, and those balls were hitting like right above their heads. Some then dropped lower into kind of the, the crow's nest that was right below them, uh, which I think you should get extra points if you got it through the uprights. And then in that little secluded area. And then one of them dropped, it hit in the the little balcony and then went through the chute where the uh, the ladder is. So I think that, that that field goal is worth six points. We need to ask the video guys if they feel, or let's ask Harrison Butker if he's trying to hit the video guys. I think we should ask them if they got combat pay for uh, for today's practice because that was, that was a little hairy. Uh, some newsiness at, uh, at practice today. Just and a few things. A few things, and we'll, we'll run them Run them down quickly here. The first one, Tremont Smith, the cornerback, is now Tremont Smith, the running back. Right. Tremont Smith, the running back slash wide receiver slash just a guy that's really fast that when we want to get him the ball. Uh, that seemed to be what Andy Reid's message was. And it sounds like they've been kicking this idea around since last year, and there was some give and take, some conversations between Trey Smith and Dave Tobe and Andy Reid about using him in some special packages, maybe a Wildcat quarterback situation. He was a quarterback senior year of high school. That's the last time he was a full-time offensive player. Um, But I I think that says more about how they feel about the situation at running back than how they feel about the situation at corner right now, that they took a guy from a position of need and moved him to a position that we didn't think was in that much trouble. Uh, But – Maybe there's something to be said there. I also don't know what it says about the severity of the the injury to Damian Williams. A hamstring Andy, issue. A hamstring, yeah. right. So Andy Reid said, uh, mentioned that he they were down a running back. He actually said that down a running back. He's also down cornerbacks now, but uh, but but he definitely said that we're you know, the Chiefs were down a running back. Uh, or yes, down a running back, and that's one of the reasons Trey Trey Smith moved over. Let's hear from Andy Reid and from Trey Smith about the position move, move, which is a little bit unusual. You just don't see this happening that That's often. That's a college move. That's something you do in college or when a guy just gets drafted, not a year into his career. Okay, so here's Andy Reid and, and Trey Smith. All right, so let me give you the injuries real quick. So uh, Tyreek Hill has a quad contusion. He didn't practice today. Schwartz uh, didn't practice. Back spasms. Dieter, um, again, back. Um, Jordan Lucas has a hamstring, Damian Williams, hamstring spasm. So um, everybody else everybody else went. Had a good practice today. It's a 10-10-10 practice, lighter day, uh, but a big mental day uh, as far as a uh, big install last night that they had to uh, um, indulge there and, and then come out here and, 
and, uh, and function. So uh, with 10-10-10s, we service each other. So offense services defense, defense services offense. And it's, uh, you get into specific uh, things that you want to work on uh, that particular day. That's what, that was what today was. Yeah, so listen, he was the Alabama player of the year, right? Offensive player of the year. So um, we, we, got, we had a running back nicked up. I had messed with him last year that I was going to play with him a little bit over on the offensive side. So I moved him over today, just take a peek at him. And we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, we know he could, you know, he could do corner side, but uh, I'd like to see him do some offensive stuff too. Yeah, you know what? He actually did a good job with some of the stuff. He's going to have to get the verbiage down. Uh, but today was a good starter. Fundamentally, it was a good starter for him. Uh, we'll see. We'll just see how it goes. Uh, he'll stay on the offensive side for right now until I, I get a chance to evaluate him. I mean, just a lot of a lot of speed. You know, me, Tyreek, McCole, D. Will. It's just it's going to be a lot of speed on the offensive side, and just I mean, hopefully a lot of touchdowns. Being under Coach Reed's system, you know, it's just he's going to find mismatches and find a way to get you open. What do you anticipate the toughest adjustments? Oh, uh, just learning the playbook. You know, Coach Reed will throw a new play or five every day, so it's just catching up on all, on all the offense that's been through OTAs and through this training camp. So it sounds a little bit like Andy Reed is maybe less certain about the permanency of the move <laughs> than Trey Smith is. It, kind of an experiment, Andy Reed says, but not so much Trey Smith. He's confident that he's there to stay. Trey Smith was confident in a lot of things today. Not only did he say it was a permanent move to the offensive side of the ball, he also said that Patrick Mahomes is officially the top player in the NFL's, uh, the NFL Network's top 100 player countdown. Hasn't been released yet, so maybe he knows something we don't know. Uh, I think there's a good chance that's the case. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Maybe Tremont's hoping that by putting that out there into the universe, it is made permanent. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I appreciate the speaking it into action, speaking it into existence situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I do. I really enjoy talking with him. I remember talking with him last year when he was a rookie, and he's he, that's when he said he had lion speed. I love that. That all-time favorite quote. I think that's why I bring it up every time we talk about him. Um, and he does. I mean, we saw in the Patriots game, he was a yard short of just that insane kick return. But now I think that it benefits the Chiefs in a big way to be able to utilize that speed more often than just on special teams and just on kick return. He was the pro football writers uh, all-rookie team member as the kick returner last year. So he, he, he won that job. He had good numbers. He started one game at cornerback. Do you remember that? It was at Seattle, the the uh, – the Chiefs were in a bad way at cornerback, and I think Charvarius Ward and Trey Smith ended up starting in that game. Of course, that was a game that the Chiefs lost. But he appeared in 14 games uh, on, on defense and and started the one. We'll, we'll see where this goes. I, I'm not 100% sure we're going to see Tremont Smith um, staying on offense. It, it absolutely could happen. I, I don't know. But – he, but he was right when he said, now they've got a lot of speed out there. Mm -hmm. with, with, with him on the offensive side and McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill, they, they've, got, they've got a great relay team mm -hmm. going. They least. really do. I think it's Arrowhead Pride that's called them the Legion of Zoom, or maybe somebody told like Arrowhead that. Pride to call them. That's what they've been referring well to them as. That's my favorite thing that I've seen all, you know, nickname-wise nickname all offseason. I think Legion of Zoom is excellent. I hope we can use it in a headline one day. Uh, hopefully we can also then in small print put hat tip Arrowhead Pride. Thank you for that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to be – it was already a fun offense to watch. Now there's this added layer Could to be. it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, let's tally up the cornerback position. You take 
one away in Tremont Smith, and you take another one away with Keith Reeser. We, we find out that he did have the Achilles injury, and that's yeah, that's a tough one. So the Chiefs uh, will not have him. But you, uh, but Brashard Breland was back for the second day at Chiefs camp. So they, they pick up a, a corner who was out for. Uh, for for the first for a couple of practices, mm-hmm. they also before I forget about this, they also there was a newcomer in um, in camp today, Michael Hunter, a, a cornerback that they signed. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent in 2016, played collegiately at Oklahoma State, has bounced around practice squads in the NFL uh, several teams, but he was but probably most significantly, he was on the New York Giants with the Giants in 2016 and 2017. When Steve Spagnuolo was the uh, was the defensive coordinator, so Michael Hunter joins the Chiefs. This was the first time we saw him today at, at practice. But Brashard Breeland was uh, went to the podium, and we got to hear him. and And it was always fun to hear Brashard Breeland. I got to ask him specifically about the hit that was heard around Chiefs Kingdom. The pop. The pop. The pads right. that popped. And uh, here's what uh, Brashard. Breland had to say about his collision with Tyreek Hill. Oh, <laughs> man, I didn't see him uh, in, my, in my line of the fly. I was just going to make a play on the ball. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunate that we, we had those type of collisions because he's a vital piece of this team. Uh, so it, it wasn't intentionally uh, at, at no shape, way, shape, or form, but um, it's just football. You know what I mean? You, you get some nicks and bruises sometimes, but I'm just glad that he's able to, to be able to, to, to come back from it. All right, Brooks, so like you said, it was, it's just football and no, no harm. No, and and I and Andy Reid was asked if he thought Tyreek Hill would be back Friday. The Chiefs don't practice on Thursday. He said he thought there was a good chance. Tyreek Hill was at practice today. He was just wearing the the leg sleeve, mm-hmm, the compression sleeve on yep. that quad, and and didn't uh, didn't work out. But the fact that he was there is a good sign. And uh, I do think it's it's it is just the contusion, the mm-hmm. bruise, and we'll see Tyreek Hill back pretty soon. Um, maybe my favorite story of camp today did not happen on on the fields. It happened in the room, not in the room, but in the building where we're sitting. It's a building where the it's the student union over here at Missouri Western. The the, the kitchen is over here. The the the, um, the media works over here, but it's also sometimes where some fans gather. Mm-hmm. And you ran into an old friend of ours today. You texted me, and I, I didn't see the text. I would. I wish I'd come down to say hello to Jack mm-hmm. and, and his mom. Uh, Jack is a um, he's a terrific, terrific uh, sports fan. Yes, he is. He's and he's he's a terrific sports fan. He's a terrific fan of all sports coverage. He likes the Stars coverage, but he he reads everything. Jack has his finger on the pulse of. Not only Kansas City sports, but sports as a whole. He, you know, has followed OU and Nebraska and and everything else. And uh, Jack stopped by the Union to say hello before they headed out. Um, before they headed out, and they had kind of you know a bummer day with it raining out. Fans can't watch practice once it moves into the indoor. So we stopped over here to say hello. And while we were just talking, chatting in the student union, a bunch of players were walking by on their way to the cafeteria. Uh, he got to see Travis Kelsey and Derek Nadi. Um, Tano Passanio, Reggie Ragland, Garrick Dieter, and then one of the last people he saw before uh, his mom turned to, you know, lead them out, uh, Tyreek Hill walked up with his family, and Jack uh, is, I think, he's he's a good resource for me as a journalist. He sends me a lot of information, and I think Jack will make a pretty good sports journalist, too. He's not afraid to ask the questions, and he kind of shouted out to Tyreek, asking if he'd practice on Friday, and Tyreek kind of smiled and nodded, and you know, so 
look, if he practices Friday, Jack got the scoop. And uh, so thanks to Jack for asking the tough questions, because I certainly wasn't going to yell at that situation. Even if I wanted to know, I felt like, you know what, I, I don't know if this is the time, but Jack got the, got the answer. So it was, it was a great moment, and I'm really happy that we got to catch up and, and meet them and have, allow him to have the opportunity to see some of the players. Because today, the autograph session, I believe, was Travis Kelsey, the tight ends, and the wide receivers. So there's a big crowd up here today. Really big crowd. And, you know, with it raining out, there's not that opportunity anymore. So he wasn't necessarily – Jack wasn't collecting signatures, but I think that he had a pretty cool chance to, to see all these guys up close uh, in their post-practice gear. Jack knows his stuff, too, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He, he – my favorite part about Jack – is that he DMs me a lot of tweets and information. So there are times when I'm not at my phone, but if I get a DM from Jack, I know that it's important because it's usually an update either about the Chiefs or the league or OU or UNC. And so he makes sure that I'm constantly in the loop. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that because there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of tweets that come across my timeline, and sometimes I miss stuff. But Jack makes sure that I have it covered all the time. We need to get Jack on the podcast. I think we do. We need to get Jack to host the podcast. <laughs> can either confirm nor deny that I, that, that I would like that. Uh, sorry, Blair. No. Facebook Live, podcast, you name it. So, oh, that was great. Thanks, Brooke. And uh, when we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to speak with Vahe Gregorian, who is on his way, or about to be on his way, to Canton, Ohio, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremonies this weekend, and it's a big weekend for the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Star columnist Vahe Gregorian is here, and he won't be here long because he's heading to Canton, Ohio for the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which is meaningful to the Kansas City Chiefs this year. It's always meaningful when they have a player inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think before this year, Will Shields would have been the, the most recent chief, but uh, they, get a, they get a two for this year, uh, a double dip with the, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame with Tony Gonzalez going in along with uh, Johnny Robinson. And I'll tell you, Vahe, I, um, you visited the homes of both players. You went to Louisiana to, to visit Johnny Robinson and, and then just more recently to, to California to visit Tony Gonzalez. Um, and, and you visited Johnny, I think, originally before he knew he was going to be elected into the Hall of Fame. The vote hadn't occurred yet. That, that's correct. Part of it was um, you know, coaxed a little bit by the timing of uh, – we heard from some people that were wanting to see if Johnny could get a little publicity, you know, actually. And, and, yeah, and, and a campaign, Todd, right? A to... campaign by a, a guy named Todd Tobias, who, who was an AFL historian and out, out west. And long story short, 
of course we were eager to study that and work on that story, but what was kind of the extra compelling part was um, we never really had quite gotten in-depth on Johnny Robinson's boys' home. And so we sort of saw that as a vehicle to get into what his life has been since then. And so that was last summer. And then, of course, he got, he got selected as the senior candidate. And uh, as we got thinking about new approaches or whatever approaches we could take leading into the Hall of Fame, um, we saw an opportunity to get over there and, and visit again life since that happened and um, get a chance to preview it a little bit. What was what was it like uh, in, in in Monroe, Louisiana, where, where Johnny Robinson is from? And and what you know, he's old. He, he's up there. I don't I don't know his he's, age. He's eighty. He's eighty now. I guess he was seventy nine at that time. I'm trying to think the timing, but but so the there are a few moving parts on this, but a couple of them include that he's had a history of a, a lot of different illnesses. I mean, cancer and a stroke, and and I'm only scratching the surface. A lot of different things. And Johnny's speech has become kind of halting, and um, it, it is difficult for him to talk for a long period of time, um, which is why we're going to see a recorded video uh, with Johnny at the Hall of Fame that he'll do in concert with his stepson, Bob Thompson, who's a, a, a wonderful guy and uh, who just happened to have idolized Johnny before he ever even knew him. It's a, it's a sweet story. Uh, I think Johnny actually baptized him in, in his pool. Oh, wow. There, there's, there's more of a story there than I've had a chance to tell. But so that certainly struck by the dedication to the home. But also, I don't think I still to this day fully understand how he became kind of out of sight, after my, out of mind after being a six-time finalist um, for the Hall of Fame. You know, as you'll recall, there was still a little bit of what you might call anti-AFL bias going on back then. But also, the Chiefs had five other Hall of Famers from that defense alone. And I think at some point that that probably worked against Johnny. But upon reexamination, the case is overwhelmingly compelling. I mean, there, there's just no doubt he should have been in originally. And it's all the sweeter for the Chiefs, right? You look at this. This guy is an original Chief. It's so original, I keep saying this, but he was with the Dallas Texans in 1960. And, right. You know, Not an original Chief, original AFL. Yeah. You know, ground yes. floor. So, so that's kind of cool. And then it sort of ties a ribbon around that whole era of the Chiefs, right? I mean, they win that Super Bowl. He gets hurt in the um, – Infamous 1971 game, that was his last game. Those were his 12 years with the Chiefs, and that that's quite an era. You know, he he was the all-time, uh, on the all-time AFL team, he was the sa- one of the safeties, I guess, right? I don't have a list of that team in front of me, but I, I suspect that just about all of them are in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That, that's a key thing. I, I can't remember on that distinction for sure, Blair, but I'm pretty sure that's true. The one that stands out to me is... And they had this picture up in their house. It's a, a, it's a Hall of Fame-produced team of the 1960s, NFL and AFL. Johnny was the last player in that picture. And it's, a, it's artists. I mean, it's, it's illustrated and kind of cute, fun caricatures of some of the guys. But he was the last one to not be in the Hall of Fame. You know, since I've lived in Kansas City, I've heard a lot of uh, – 
football fans, Chiefs fans support the idea of Otis Taylor being in the Hall of Fame. He is not in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, it, it, I wonder what our your friend, good friend Michael McCambridge, says about his candidacy. He was certainly a big-time wide receiver, um, a, a guy who made Len Dawson look really good. And But, but the, the numbers just don't support – if it's a numbers game – it, it doesn't support Otis Taylor's candidacy. Johnny Robinson had some pretty good numbers as well in terms of like lifetime interceptions and and the, the, the you know and, and honors you know just as we talked about the All AFC team, but number of Pro Bowls and All Star games. Johnny Robinson had numbers as well as you know reputation. He did, and and you know the other intangible was big performances and big games. You know, fumble recovery and interception in the Super Bowl. Uh, a lot of tackles in the Super Bowl loss. Uh, interception in the Chiefs' um, 1962 AFL championship. He also, uh, I think this is the right stat, Blair. I think the Chiefs were 37-3 and one in games when he uh, when he uh, had an interception. Wow! I mean, they, wow. they mattered. And had 57 in his career. And he had 57 in his career, which led to uh, a, a fun little um, back and forth with Johnny and his stepson Bob Thompson and. Uh, Ty Law and Ty Law's father at, at, a, at a luncheon they had in Canton to prepare for this. Ty Law, as the story was told to me, leans forward and says, you had 57 interceptions in, in 12 years? And Johnny says yes, and apparently Ty kind of sits back and talks to his dad again for a second, then he leans forward and said, but, but they didn't, you didn't play as many games as, as we did, and, and you didn't, they didn't throw the ball as much. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> and I think Ty Law had 53 in 17 years or something like that. Maybe was, those numbers are a little bit off probably, but but I think it, it showed. And, and it is funny, right? The AFL was certainly more pass-happy than the NFL, but it wasn't like today. Not at all. I mean, like, not at all like today. It, yeah. I, but also, um, today's game is so predicated on short passes and accurate passing. That's true. You know, to win, uh, to, to be the AFC or the NFL's, AFL or NFL's quarterback leader in the 60s, uh, you probably completed about 50% of your passes. That was a, probably a pretty good year yeah, uh, for, yeah. for that. I, Remember those, the All-Stars with 52.6%? <laughs> and, yes, uh, yeah. and anything over 50 was <laughs> yeah, just yeah. phenomenal, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh, what an accurate <laughs> passer that was. So uh, I'm really happy for him and, and the family uh, for, for Johnny Robinson to go in. And, and you know, you mentioned his uh, – the boys um, – Boys, boys home. home, Johnny right. Robinson. Boys home, which is interesting. I I, uh, I went down there last year and I brought home a coffee mug from there. That I like to drink from. It just has the home, a picture of the home on the front, and a picture of Johnny on the back. This year I got one from there that has just a little inscription, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame 2019. Same mug. All the other stuff's the same, but it's just kind of a sweet little thing. And and uh, it, it there's a real joy in having gotten to be around them and 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 getting to see this there. I, I, it feels a little personal to me after those couple of visits. With I him. bet. I, yeah. I can imagine. And um, more recently, you were in uh, California, the L.A. area, right, to, to visit Tony Gonzalez, who, look, he's so familiar to all of us now, not just because he was a chief for 12 years, but we see him now as a uh, an analyst yeah. uh, for, is it Fox? It is, is Fox, Fox, yep. And he was in Arrowhead Stadium last year when he went into the Ring of Honor that was just a you know basically the the, the appetizer for the Hall of Fame announcement that came a, a few weeks later. Um, Tony, I, I would um, I think there's a difference in how 
Johnny Robinson and Tony Gonzalez are perceived by Chiefs fans, but I think it needs to be said that Johnny Robinson played so long ago. I think it's it's e- and he only played for the Chiefs. I think it's easy to understand how you know a belovedness there for him, older fans especially, right? Right. Um, the, the the older Chiefs fan, younger Chiefs fans see the name Johnny Robinson, know maybe know he played for the Chiefs and just don't know anything about him. There's no film, right? There's just very little film. Very little. Guy. Very little. But Tony Gonzalez, we all know. We know from you know not only Chiefs career, Falcons career. He's on commercials. Uh, he is very much in in the public eye. But I wonder how much he's in Chiefs fans' hearts. Well, that look, you're hitting it right at the crux of the question. And for a couple reasons, it, it's become clear that, that there's some, I don't know if dissonance is the right word. We're both English majors. Is that what this means? Like there's a disconnect <laughs> of some sort with how fans here are embracing this. And just based on certain metrics, uh, which I would say feedback from a couple things I've written, they're not really embracing it. Not a lot of them. I'm a little puzzled about that. I mean, 12 years here, I wasn't here then, but... He was amazing. He, he was fantastic. He was amazing. And, and I, can, I can just, and we asked him about this, but just he, thinking about him with Patrick Mahomes and, and as his quarterback and Andy Reid as his coach, <laughs> it boggles the mind how, how much uh, greater his numbers were. And his numbers were unbelievable. He's still the, the number two on the all-time receptions Correct. list. Correct. Second Jerry, only to Jerry Rice right. in Who, NFL history. Yeah, and so and by far the Chiefs' career leader in, in, in yards and uh, receiving touchdowns and, and all the metrics, right, for yeah. for a someone who catches the football for, for a living. So, But part of the, so part of the, what you're driving at comes from – it's twofold, right? I mean, and you were here then, I wasn't. But part of the problem at that time for him with the Chiefs was they weren't very good. And in, mo- in most years, they in were. most years, right? Toward, especially toward the end, as he was aging, uh, they had three playoff appearances in his twelve years, and now they, I think they're six and six and sixteen. Is that the right number? Six and twenty-six. Six and twenty-six. His last two seasons. Uh, the second to last season, he's asked for a trade. I don't. I don't recall whether that was known publicly until after a trade fell through and he let it be known publicly, and. He was mad at Carl Peterson for not pulling the trigger, and he had to sort of win back over his teammates, went in and addressed them. But I think, I think fans really held on to that. And, of course, the more recent affront, or perceived affront anyway, was, was this sort of video that went a little viral over him saying in Atlanta, after being named to the Hall of Fame, that Atlanta made his career. And I don't think it was a great choice of words. But I think he also thought he was speaking specifically to one audience. And it, I feel like I need to say this every time. On the very same day, he's saying wonderful things about Kansas City, too. I don't think it was quite as distinct as that. And it was a, it was a peculiar term right. to use. But I, I think that just it either rekindled whatever animosity was being harbored or it started it anew. And one thing that I do think is interesting is... I, I feel like it was legitimate for him to want to, to get to a Super Bowl and that it wasn't going to happen in Kansas City. As he said to me when I was visiting him, you know, he's like the 80-year-old man. You know, he's, he's got to go with the, the opportunity now. It's, it's, and he wasn't 80, but, it, but he was 30. Right. Um, and I had an interesting talk Tuesday morning with Dick Vermeil. We, we were on the phone. And without me asking him about this, Dick, Dick said – that 
he never knew of any player who took losing harder than Tony Gonzalez, that it was a trauma almost every single time they lost. You put those two things together, is it really unreasonable that, that you know, he wanted to trade? It, but, but it does make him different than Johnny Robinson playing his whole career it, it here. Does. And it's, it does, but it's not unprecedented in sports mm. either for an aging player to be on, on, a, on a losing, in a losing organization to want to be – you know, f- traded to a winning organization that has a chance to um, to, to win the championship. Yeah. It, it happens in sports. Yeah. Well, look, I, who who are we to suggest how Chiefs fans should feel about right. you know about the players that um, they they you know they once cheered for? I, I find it somewhat interesting that I don't see many people wearing Chiefs Tony Gonzalez jerseys. You know, we see a ton of people here at Chiefs camp where. Yeah. Wearing the jerseys, and I see a lot of former Chiefs represented on, on those sure, jerseys. Sure, I agree with you. But here's a Hall of Famer that I, I don't see many. In fact, I'll make it a point to look even harder now. To uh, now that he's going in the Hall of Fame, to, to find some Tony G. Yeah, gear. I, I'd be interested in what you see because you're right. I hadn't thought about it until you said that, but I rarely, if ever, see it. I think I've seen little momentary sightings, but but it's not one of the most predominant ones. You're going to see a lot more Priest Holmes. Jamal Charles, I feel like we see a lot more of those than probably Derek Thomas even. Well, I can't wait to hear his speech. Uh, you said he'll be last. Yeah, on, I, I on mean, the program. I, I guess we're you know that's a little candy for our our, our listeners. I, I don't think that's completely publicly known until now, but <laughs> that's okay. I mean, and and I don't think it really matters. Uh, the reason we have kicked it around is just for our planning purposes. Um, that, that, may, that may make it hard to get in that edition that night of the paper, right, which is right. why we'll uh, you know probably follow up and amplify it or rewrite later. But Johnny will be early, and as I, I think I said earlier, he he will be on video with uh, with with stepson Bob. Tony uh, told me he doesn't plan to uh, write down his speech; that he's just going to wing it. Wing it, wow! But wow. that he did he did really tell me. It's interesting, I, I, <laughs> Johnny. And uh, Bob, were like, you know, we've been forbidden by the Hall of Fame to tell you anything. Okay. Tony's like, well, here's my speech. I just haven't written it down. And he will, I mean, unless he changes his mind, he really will focus on uh, many things probably, but at least three really focal turning points in his life that he, he thought made him who he was. One was his uh, standing up to a bully after a long time uh, when he was a kid. Another was this realization that he wasn't really putting everything he had into it when he was at um, University of California. And he told a beautiful story. I don't know if he'll tell it in the Hall of Fame, but sitting up in the Oakland Hills watching planes fly and, and thinking he could be on one going home with no degree, no nothing. Wow. Or he could be on one going to some exotic place. And he, I'm going to be on that one. How about that? And the third, it, it's probably well known by you um, and really anybody who followed him with the Chiefs is when he had all the dropsies his second year. In fact, this is funny. Uh, your friend of mine, Randy Kovitz, wrote wrote the story for the Hall of Fame program, and he was doing some fact checking with Tony on some some part of it. And he had that Tony dropped fifteen passes that year. Tony got in touch with him and said it was actually sixteen, <laughs> wow. which I you know, I certainly appreciate that. Sure. And but how he how he from there became obsessive, and uh, it's that's again pretty well known probably to most Chiefs fans. But kind of fascinating to me how uh, little he left the chance after that. We should uh, probably get Randy Kovitz on this podcast to get him to tell the story of how he got ink on, mistakenly got ink on Tony Gonzalez's 
blazer after a game <laughs> in the locker room. <laughs> oh, is that why Tony, when I brought up Randy, said hi? Tony said something like, Randy, Randy, Randy. I can't remember how he put it, but it was, it was endearing, though. I remember Tony Gonzalez as a basketball player at Cal. He, his team played against Kansas in the Maui Invitational in 1996 out in, um, uh, in, in Hawaii. And I just remember this uh, football player in a basketball uniform thinking, you know, this guy's going to be a heck of a tight end sometime. I mean, he was, he was a fine basketball player, a nice power forward. But, you know, he was obviously a, uh, his, foot, his future was going to be in football. Well, this is funny you say that. You have the astute eye of an NBA scout. Um, Carl Peterson told me a funny story. They traded up to get Tony. And so Lee Steinberg was Tony's agent at the time. And, and Lee, according to Carl, uh, tried to leverage the fact that they moved up and said, you're going to have to pay more than you usually would for this guy because obviously you want him. And if, and if you're not going to do that, we'll, he'll go play in the NBA. So as Carl tells a story, he tells Lee, well, hang on, I'll get back to you. And he calls Jerry Krause. I, I hadn't realized this till then. Lamar Hunt was a, a part owner of the Chicago Bulls, so he had a pretty good relationship with, with Jerry Krause. And he says, Jerry, what's the, what's the story on, on Tony Gonzalez? And he said, let me get my file. You know, Carl's a little dramatic reading with this. And Krause pulls out the file and says, you know, yeah, you know, he, he's good rebounder, uh, otherwise pretty average. Um, if he's going to play professional sports, it's going to be in the NFL. <laughs> so Carl calls back Steinberg, and, and uh, ultimately they get signed. Although I think it was a, a little bit of a, not contentious, but a delayed signing. I, I think there was it went on into camp. All right, Vahe, enjoy your trip to Canton, Ohio. Have you been to the Pro Football Hall? I know, I haven't, I, I, which is weird. I, I went by there one year with my dad, but we didn't have time to stop and just never quite worked out. So it's, it's kind a cool of a place. funny way to do it for the first time. Yeah, they've, they've done it right in Canton. Yeah. You'll, you'll enjoy the trip. And uh, uh, have a good one. I will. And, and we'll talk to you when you get back and hopefully have some sound from Tony Gonzalez and, and Johnny Robinson to share with, uh, with our listeners. So, all right, Vahe, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mark. During this podcast, we told you about a few stories that have appeared in the Kansas City Star or KansasCity.com. I'm going to tell you how to find the links to these stories. You can go to KansasCity.com or Facebook.com slash RedZoneExtra, the Red Zone Extra app, or the print editions of the Kansas City Star. Shout out to producers Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra for putting together today's show. We'll be back Thursday for another Sportsbeat KC podcast. Thanks for listening.